Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So obviously one of the biggest topics around Georgia football this offseason, to the extent there even is an offseason, has been about the uh, Georgia quarterback situation. It's always kind of funny to me, and one of the things we like to do around here is, obviously we sort of speak from, from the perspective of, you know, inside the bubble of Dog Nation. We say this is the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Me, someone who sort of obsesses over every facet of Georgia football. Many of you kind of do your own version of that there as well. So as people who are very zoomed in on one topic, we kind of have one perspective oftentimes. And when it comes to people kind of on the national media part of this, they are much more zoomed out. They are 10,000 foot. uh, They are far removed. And oftentimes, you know, sometimes widening your, I guess, perspective gives you a little bit of a better look at what's going on. Uh, but then sometimes when you're farther away, it also, I think, makes you more farther, far, far removed from what the actual truth is. And I think an example of that from ESPN, who recently had one of these uh, write-ups, and I've actually talked to a couple of our guests about this in recent days, kind of looking at some of the ongoing quarterback competitions around college football. And I'm always interested to see what ESPN says about some of these other teams I don't follow quite as closely because oftentimes ESPN, who covers everything, can be a little bit of an avenue for me to find out more about a team that I just don't know quite as much about. But when ESPN oftentimes writes about my team, I don't know they quite sometimes understand as well as some of you do. Like, like I, there are a handful of people in this audience, I would care far more about what you think about the George quarterback situation than I would care about what somebody from ESPN thinks about it, just because they're too far away to oftentimes maybe really know exactly what is going on. An example of that uh, in a recent write-up there at ESPN.com where – they were kind of looking at these various quarterback situations. And one of the things that was asked about the Georgia quarterback situation was, well, how much did, did, did the situation around Georgia quarterback change because of spring practice? And the writer, his name's Harry Lyles, he said, well, it didn't really change that much at all. And I would say that those of us who watched the quarterback situation play out this year closely, I would say that we would kind of disagree with it. I would say that, no, I thought that spring practice was pretty instructive, at least to the extent that what we saw you know, on G-Day was reflective of what the spring was overall. I thought it was kind of a big step up moment for uh, Carson Beck. I thought that Carson Beck kind of asserted himself and, you know, whisper campaigns and, you know, sort of people who know somebody who know somebody who know somebody. They seem to suggest some of that there as well. I thought it was a really good uh, spring for Carson Beck. I thought it was a spring in which that Beck kind of demonstrated that he may have what it takes to be not just a starting quarterback, but a successful starting quarterback for Georgia. But the folks at ESPN, I think wrongly, have kind of kept the door open that maybe Beck won't actually be the starting quarterback at all. Let me read you a couple of sentences here from Harry Lyles Jr., the writer there at ESPN.com. I'm not going to pick on Harry. I don't care about him one way or another, but I just want to use this as a way of kind of correcting the record and talking about what is real and what is right when it comes to the Georgia quarterback situation. So Lyles writes that it's safe to say that Beck is going to be the first to get a shot at the starting quarterback. However, if he were to struggle, Georgia's schedule allows the Bulldogs to experiment and figure out who really is the best fit for the offense. That's interesting. That's Harry Lyles Jr. basically leaving the door open for the competition to continue in season and reserve the right for Kirby Smart to make a different quarterback choice at some point in time during the 2023 season than he seems poised to make right now. Now, I think this is wrong on two fronts. I want to deal with one of these now and one of these later. 
I think that one of the things that kind of fuels the wrongness of this is the obsession that we sort of have right now with quarterbacks who don't win the starting job. And a lot of this is propelled by the transfer portal of, hey, well, you got to name somebody as the starter, but the thought around college football is, well, you run the risk by when you tell one guy is the starter, you've now told two guys they're not the starter. And by telling them they're not going to start, are you now opening the door and, 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 and sort of greasing the wheels for one of those guys to eventually transfer? And that's sort of the obsessive conversation around college ball right now of, oh, are you worried about losing this guy? Are you worried about losing that guy? Is it, do you have to change the way that you coach because you're afraid of the, the quarterbacks who are not named starter bolting out the door looking to go to greener pastures? And this is where Kirby Smart steps in because this week, you know, he's a part of that region celebrity pro-am uh, golf tournament prior to the, the, the PGA Tour Champions event in the Birmingham area. He does it each and every year. We're actually going to have something funny from Kirby on the, uh, from that event later on the show. But for now, Kirby was also on the morning show in Birmingham, WJOX. They broadcast from the golf tournament. A lot of coaches stop by and visit with them this time of year. Just it's kind of come a little bit of an unofficial tradition, I guess. And Kirby was talking about quarterback stuff. And on the subject that I just mentioned, this obsession that people seem to have with, oh, gosh, transfer portal, be careful, you know, choose your words carefully, tread lightly, you know, extend competitions because you don't want to run the risk of losing someone. And Kirby Smart, in so many words, kind of describes a lot of that talk as a little bit overstated. I think this is good from Kirby. It's from this week, WJOX. Take a listen to it. Well, it was no different five or six years ago. You could leave then, and you could go then, and you could uh, say there's a hardship. Say I have this issue, and I'm gone, and I can go play. So I don't know that that's changed. That was always the fear. Um, It's much more talked about. It's much more prominent. The word portal, I think, has just become everybody's favorite word. So, you know, kids want to go shop and go find the best place. So it it, it happens more, but it happened before, especially at quarterback. But for us, it's about getting the best guy. And I think kids have bought into the, the development factor, the backups, and the guys that may not be the starter, they're saying, yeah, but Stetson wasn't either. And look what happened with him. Hmm. And he waited his turn, and he was a three, and he ended up making it. All right, so let's kind of go through that with Kirby Smart a little bit. As I said before, you know, you know, we get too obsessed with the transfer portal sometimes. We get too obsessed with how do you keep all your quarterbacks happy when, as Kirby Smart, I think, correctly points out there that what the job really is is you got to figure out who your best quarterback is. You can't make everybody happy. You can't be you know too concerned about everybody's feelings. Your job is you got to find the guy that you can select to be your starter and then develop the offense around him to go out and be as successful as possible this upcoming season. That's what it's really about. It's not about finessing the situation, massaging the situation, so everybody thinks they're still in it. Some of this is about really identifying who that quarterback is going to be. And I think that Kirby Smart's absolutely right about that. Now, part of the reason why somebody like Lyles at ESPN would write what he writes is because of what Kirby Smart also says there. Hey, and to the guys that are not starters, think about yourself as Stetson Bennett, a guy who stepped in and emerged you know, during a year in which he started off as like the number three quarterback or whatever else. And so so that's obviously you know a little bit of a of a possibility for Georgia. It's certainly been the reality there in the past, but I don't think that necessarily changes the 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 situation in the present, which is that Carson Beck really stepped up. Carson Beck, I think, showed himself to be the most ready to play on G Day. And there's nothing we've heard from kind of like the whisper campaigns, the online chatter, or the rumor mill, whatever, uh, about the other moments in spring practice that have necessarily been different than that right now it just sort of seems like Carson Beck is the guy 
But if you're back and you are the guy and you're preparing for your first year as the Georgia starter, how do you handle that knowing that the other two quarterbacks in this situation, Gunnar Stockton, I think, has a very bright future. Brock Vandegrift, I think, is the kind of guy that you could also win with if you had him on the field. So how do you handle that if you're back? Even if you are the starter, how do you make sure you stay starter throughout the season knowing that capable guys are behind you? Well, I asked that to Jake Fromm when he joined us yesterday. You know, Jake, if you want to go back to his first year at Georgia, think about the situation here. He started that year as a backup to a former five-star in Jacob Eason. A lot of you remember this, former Gatorade player of the year. This is as big a prospect as you could have. Eason gets hurt in the first game. Uh, Jake steps in and then goes on the road to start the following week at Notre Dame and, you know, kind of established himself as a successful freshman stepping in in place of what we expect to be the starter in Jacob Eason. But eventually, Eason was healthy again. And eventually, Eason, we think, could have played – and yet Georgia kind of stuck with Fromm. So what I asked Jake was, you know, what's it like trying to be the starting quarterback knowing that someone potentially capable is behind you, and how do you keep playing well uh, without looking too much over your shoulder? That could be an issue for Carson Beck here this year. Jake Fromm, who's been through that at Georgia, gave an interesting answer to that question from yesterday's show. Take a listen to this. You know, as, as a quarterback, man, when you're, when you're playing with confidence, you're playing with a little swagger, and you feel – you know the guys around you. You know start to believe in you. Um, I mean that that really makes you feel good as a as a single caller and and go out and, and get stuff done. So um, I, I never really had that feeling, so to speak. Um, but you know, Coach Smart, when he has this quarterback competition, continue to go into uh, the training camp. Well, I mean, what you do is you allow yourself later in the season if you do need to make a change uh, a little bit easier because those guys have had those reps. Um, other players on the team have seen this guy throw the football. It's easier to kind of buy into a, to a new guy and um, kind of makes that transition a little bit easier. So uh, that'd be one benefit from it. But, you know, the, the opportunity cost that you lose out on is having a guy like Carson be able to go out and get plenty of reps and feel comfortable with his receivers and, and all those good things. So what Jake says at the end there really matters to me. Like If you're a confident quarterback, you don't really worry about what's behind you. You're focused on your own task, your own mission. And obviously Georgia is very glad. If we assume that Carson Beck is the starting quarterback and remains the starting quarterback, Georgia's obviously really glad to have guys like Brock Vandergriff and Gunnar Stockton in the program. That's a level of quarterback depth that obviously benefits UGA. But ultimately, as, as, as Jake says there, as it relates to Carson or any of the starting quarterback, that this time of year, those kind of summer workouts that quarterbacks oftentimes are tasked with taking charge of or those actual official practices that will begin in late July, early August that prepare for the upcoming season. It's about developing the comfort that Beck has as the starter and the comfort that Georgia players have with him the confidence that Beck has to actually go out and lead this unit and the confidence that the Georgia players have that Beck really can be the guy they can trust. And by the way, confidence that Georgia coaches have in him to be able to call whatever plays they want to be able to call. That at some point, at a certain point in time, it actually really is appropriate and, and, and necessary for the competition to end and for the development phase to begin and the, the preparation phase to begin. And I believe that based on the way that G-Day played out, that's the direction the Georgia quarterback situation is heading, whether the ESPN folks sort of realize that or not. But then kind of one final point here, that the overarching, I think, uh, uh, thing that the ESPN guys and Harry Lyles, the guy we quoted from a moment ago, I think the overarching thing they may kind of get wrong about Georgia is sort of related to what Kirby Smart said in the JOX clip that we heard from a moment ago, that this is a coach, Kirby, who's made quarterback changes during the season in the past. He did that with Stetson Bennett in 2021. And so, therefore, that kind of becomes the template for how Kirby does everything moving forward. 
But I think what we might be on the verge of, and admittedly this is my opinion, but that's what we do here. We share our opinions. I think what we might actually be on the verge of seeing here this fall is Georgia establishing a quarterback situation that's just a little bit more normal. I mean, if we're honest here, the Georgia quarterback situation has been pretty unusual a lot. I mentioned the Jake Fromm situation in 2017 when he emerged as a true freshman because Jacob Eason got hurt. And then in 2018, the fact that Justin Fields arrived here, even though Georgia had an established starting quarterback, that was probably a little unusual. We've had plenty of uh, smart folks who've described just how unusual that was. Carson Beck himself the other day talked about how weird it was in 2020 with the pandemic and all the odd personalities that Georgia seemed to have in that quarterback room at the time. Bennett emerging in 2021, that was a little bit unusual too. Super successful, but kind of weird how it all played out. And we've had all this weirdness around the Georgia quarterback situation, but now maybe it's just sort of normal. The oldest guy in the room back looks like he's going to be the starter. The next oldest guy, Vandergriff, he may be the backup. Uh, the young prospect, Gunnar Stockton, may have a bright future, but he, ha- he may have to wait on that because there are guys more experienced than him who may just be more ready to play right now. That's the way the quarterback situations are typically sort of expected to be. And the Georgia quarterback situation may have evolved to something that's a little bit more typical. That may be how all this plays out this year. But ultimately, I think there's actually very little mystery as who the Georgia starting quarterback is going to be. I believe it's going to be Carson Beck. He'll certainly start the season that way. And if the poise and the confidence and just the readiness that he seemingly has displayed, if, if that really is real and that really is the true version of Carson, then there's no reason to believe he won't end the season as the Georgia starter as well. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Kroger, and we're glad to have you with us no matter how. You get to us live on video, 10 a.m., all across all video platforms. We start even earlier than that uh, at 945 on dognation.com, the Dog Nation app. We call that our first and 15. It's a little bit of extra content we do specially for those folks who join us on our own platform. And it's been a great, successful – we've been doing this now for a while. It's not even a rollout anymore. We've just been doing it. Uh, it's one of those things you have to be there on the site at 945 to see it. It's not really archived anywhere or anything like that. So if you want to be a part of the crazy stuff that goes on, they were giving me a hard time on there this morning for some uh, crazy stuff I said yesterday. So if you want to be a part of that, you got to join us, dognation.com, the Dog Nation app, in order to be able to do that. By the way, uh, Radio Noon, 960 The Rap Podcast, all kinds of places to listen to the show. We're just really glad that you have done that. And really appreciate our friends at Kroger for making all this possible for you there today as well. Now, this is the time of year when there's so much going on. you got Mother's Day on Sunday. More on that in a moment. But you're also coming up on grad season there, too. So uh, we're celebrating graduates. You start seeing a lot of those photos on social media just that time of year. I've even got a graduation in my household this year. My son graduating fifth grade. Excited about all of that. Well, guess what? When it's time to celebrate the grad in your life, Kroger, the place to go to do all that. You can get decorated cakes, party trays, uh, the decorations for the the house, and so much more right there at Kroger. Greeting cards, gift cards, everything else in between. All of that at Kroger. So go to Kroger.com slash graduation for more on that. That is Kroger.com slash graduation for more on that. And by the way, while we are speaking about Kroger, let's go ahead and also give away today our final Kroger Perfect Moms winner. We've done one of these each day. So many great submissions. I wish we could read them all and and share them all. Uh, We have selected five, though, at random to be our winners. And it's a great collection of gift cards courtesy of our friends at Kroger going to each of our winners, including uh, today. 
the winner is uh, Shara Wright. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Uh, Shara, I hope I, Shara maybe, I uh, hope I pronounced that correct. Uh, she's from Lawrenceville, Georgia, nominated by her son, Bryce. I want to read what Bryce said about his uh, mom. This is great. My mother's been getting another degree, and she's still able to take care of all the things she was doing before school uh, started again. Boy, first of all, don't you love the idea of uh, going out there and, you know, getting an education and adding to your degree list, but also still taking care of business at home. Miss Wright doing a great job on all of that. Getting my brothers ready uh, for school, cooking and cleaning and making sure we have birthday parties. That's awesome to hear. Does a super job. She works as a teacher and mentor and still has time to be a mom and have fun with us. Boy, uh, Miss Wright sounds like a truly, truly uh, special lady and a very deserving winner of our Kroger Perfect Moms uh, contest. We're talking to some folks around the ball field this week about when you're a teacher this time of year, there is extra stuff seemingly going on because you're trying to take care of business with your own kids, but then you're trying to help everybody else's kids too, kind of get to the end of the school year. So for all those folks in our audience who are teachers and taking care of business in that field, we really, really appreciate that, including Miss Wright here, who is the winner of our Kroger Perfect Moms giveaway for today. Congratulations. And Bryce, thank you so much for a terrific nomination there on that. All right, it's Jeff Sintel coming out. We'll do some uh, UGA recruiting talk with him, including details about a big-time five-star taking an official visit to Georgia. We will get more on that here coming up in a moment. Prior to that, though, let's go around the doghouse. Uh, served up today by our friends at the Finish Long Drink. Happy to have them as a part of this. And yesterday on the show, I try to be like really professional and, you know, like sort of like fact. I try to be fact checker. You know, you know I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to let you know that maybe maybe something that you heard, maybe something that you talked about, maybe it wasn't necessarily meant to be taken at face value, that we sort of live in this day of kind of like, AI, artificial intelligence. And there's all kinds of stuff out there that's sort of like computer generated. I'm not saying this was computer generated, but it's one of those things that was not, I don't believe, necessarily meant to be taken at face value. It's sort of done for show, for put on, uh, maybe even kind of a joke within the, uh, I guess, the audience of the show. Um, it was Zach Smith, the former Ohio State assistant coach, who I believe was intentionally trying to give some bulletin board material for Georgia as kind of a funny thing for the show that he's a part of here. Of course, Smith's got his own kind of odd backstory here. Uh, to give you an idea of where we want to go today, though, on a, a topic here for a moment, let me go back and replay the Smith clip that we played yesterday. I think we have this. Uh, here is Zach Smith from yesterday, really kind of talking up and sort of trolling Georgia fans. And yesterday I was trying to tell you, I don't take any of this too seriously. Here's uh, Zach Smith. The reality is this. Georgia won back-to-back national championships on the on the back of a ridiculous defense that is gone. That defense is gone. Kirby's little pet project is gone. The run is over. It was a cute two years. Back to the abysmal depths of being eight and four. Enjoy, Bulldog fans. So I told you yesterday, basically, this is too ridiculous to be real. Don't take this seriously. This is just a guy being goofy. In fact, it was even explained to me by uh, someone on Twitter that he might have even been doing this as a way of motivating Georgia because he wanted to bet the 11.5 win total for Georgia, basically predicting Georgia go 12-0 in the regular season. And that might have all been just kind of an inside joke for the handful of people who watch or listen to a Zach Smith show. That might have been, you know, kind of, you know, what that was all about there. But here's what you kind of learn sometimes. The fact that it isn't real doesn't necessarily matter necessarily because almost exactly the same time that I was on this show saying, no, don't worry about this. 
this isn't real. There's plenty of like bulletin board material for Georgia that is real. This isn't real. You shouldn't pay too much attention to it necessarily. And almost the exact same time uh, that I was saying all that, someone who knows admittedly far more than me on the subject matter of motivation and getting a team fired up was taking an entirely different tact about this very same clip. It's Nolan Smith, the master motivator, who certainly helped propel Georgia to the national championship this past season. Well, he had heard the same clip that I did, and instead of kind of like downplaying it and saying not to worry about it and saying it doesn't matter, let me show you Nolan on Twitter here, whose uh, reaction to this was far different. <laughs> he said, in my coach smart voice, I want this blank playing in every meeting every meeting he says eight and five so uh, nolan smith says nah listen use this i don't care if it's fake i don't care if it's real i don't i don't care what this just becomes fodder that you can use so if even if it isn't you know meant to be face value even if it isn't meant to be real go ahead and treat it as as it is as if it is and listen who am i to argue with nolan smith on that after what he uh pulled this past season you may remember at the national championship game uh there are a bunch of george players walking around like oh they thought we we're gonna be seven and five and a lot of media types were looking around it's like who picked georgia to go seven five or eight and four or whatever the uh the record was who said that that's what georgia was going to be well later on when nolan appeared on the saturday down south podcast he sort of admitted to making it all up so if that worked for nolan one time maybe it's going to work for nolan again let me give you a reminder of what nolan said about this just a couple of weeks ago <laughs> yes yeah yeah you know you got to create the own narrative, man. Sometimes, you know, you got to put the chip on your own shoulder. But we did have a humongous target on our back, as we saw in the Missouri game. <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes you got to juice it up for the guy, especially when you're old man last year. I just wanted everybody to know. I said it I said it the whole summer. They're going to think we're going 75, guys. They ain't even thinking about a 2P. So... You made that entire thing up. You just picked that out of the air. You're like, all right, I'm just going to throw 7-5. and five. That sounds disrespectful enough. Yeah, 75 is, like, disrespectful enough, and that's what, like, Coach Smart did. I think not to disrespect any of the other teams, but I think Coach Smart went, like, 8-4, and four, like, his first year. So I was like, yeah, 75, though, sounds better, and it sounds better off the tongue, 75, 75. So here's the point. I do not believe the Zach Smith clip we played a moment ago is meant to be taken seriously. I don't think it's real. I think it's basically pro wrestling. But if Nolan Smith says it's real, then it's real. Because clearly Nolan Smith knows how to motivate the Georgia Bulldogs. And if that's what it takes to go for three and 23, then I say we listen to Nolan Smith and stop listening to me. That's the uh, bottom line and the uh, moral to all of this story. And that is around the doghouse uh, served up today by our friends at the Finish Long Drink. Now, listen, it is that summertime of year. And I love the finished long drink when it comes to this time of year. I just like to drink it outside. I think the finished long drink tastes delicious outside. Many of you would sort of agree the same thing. In fact, you send us pictures all the time of you enjoying it, you know, around the swimming pool, certainly on the golf course. And goodness knows we want to try to find our way onto many of those here this season as we possibly can. So if you haven't tried it yet, I'm not sure what you're waiting on. This is the time to do it. One of the four different finished long drink varieties. All the folks in my neighborhood seem to love that finished uh, long drink cranberry, which, as you might imagine, has that kind of cranberry flavor. I like the traditional. It's a blue can. It's the gin kick, the grapefruit flavor. You've got long drink strong, 8.5% alcohol by volume, long drink zero. That's no carbs, no sugar. 
what this is is a ready to drink cocktail so if you like like mixed drinks uh this is like a mixed drink in a can you can pour it into a glass over ice you can just drink it straight out of the can uh it's, it's a mixed drink you don't have to mix yourself and i'm all about making life easier and simpler and this certainly does that plus it tastes great there also so go to the longdrink.com you can put in your zip code you can also find out the really cool backstory here starts back in helsinki in the 1950s when the summer games were there it's been in america now for a couple of years it's in georgia and pretty much everywhere and so many of you've tried it i know it's huge in athens i'm happy to hear how much of you all are loving it and we're so happy to have the finished long drink as a part of around the doghouse so check out longdrink.com for a lot more on that all right so kirby smart this week did something he really does he sort of played along with a bit in some respects <laughs> it's kind of funny so we'll give this to you before we're done today uh kirby having some fun on the golf course himself here this week we'll share that with you we also have a tremendous golden shoe submission very talented member of our audience uh kind of some funny stuff coming up for you on that but for now uga recruiting talk uh including some details on a five star we'll get all of it to you here right now it is jeff Sintel on dog nation daily presented by kroger From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. A lot of information to cover with Jeff Sintel here. Always glad to have him on the program, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. Jeff, let me start with something I guess that's sort of been in the works now for a while, but I guess officially official now. You know, we now know that Jeremiah Smith, the five-star wide receiver, going to visit Georgia. We have the date for that official visit. I, I think I find myself asking some version of this question to you all the time. How how real is this? I mean, you know, you know, clearly Smith's got a couple of visit plans in mind. I believe he's also going to be going to Florida at the very least. Um, you know, this is a guy that's been a part of that Ohio State class now for a pretty good bit. How how open and available is is, is Smith here for Georgia? The presence of Dylan Riola potentially obviously has an impact on this too. What do you make of the overtures between UGA and Smith right now? Morning, Brandon. I will. Uh, I'll, I'll just dispense pleasantries and say, I, don't, I think Smith only becomes real for Georgia with two factors. One, Dylan Riola has to choose Georgia. Two, the second thing is I think Brian Hartline has to leave Ohio State. I think both of those things happen. It gets really real for someone to flip Jeremiah Smith. Of course, you know your favorite SEC East program to the south. Um, they're trying as well. They've got a five-star quarterback that they're trying to coax him. They're going to get a key official visit from his, him as well. One of the things I noticed, Brandon, is no matter how much he, he grandstands about – I'm talking about Jeremiah Smith here – how much he grandstands on social media about Ohio State adding more talented players to the class, um, he's still taking officials. He's still taking officials that I think have the ability to flip him in the right situation. Um, I don't think George, the Georgia flip happens without the Dylan Riola uh, connection there. And really, if you want to, I know you love the reading between the tea, line, tea leaves section. Maybe we should find a tea company sponsor for this on, on Fridays, Brandon. But I think what it tells, what it should tell the very smart Dog Nation reader is Jeremiah Smith's going to be in Athens next weekend for the scavenger hunt, and that's cool. But what it likely means is Riola will also be there with him as well, because I don't know if that's the most effective official visit for Georgia. If not, if there is the potential connection synergy there with a potential five-star quarterback commitment as well. That's like wide receivers and quarterbacks, they go hand in hand. So if Riola takes an unofficial visit just before taking an official visit, I'm not even sure he needs to announce a commitment at that point in time, Jeff. 
pretty funny. Um, we have different degrees of it every year, Brandon. Um, I, I know, I know, you probably feel a little bit more comfortable when it's defensive ends and outside linebackers being the uh, most uh, the most committed undecided recruit in the, in the potential class, rather than five star quarterbacks. But uh, it kind of is what it is, man. Um, Smith. Brandon, what I, one thing I did this week on um, before the hedges is I kind of dabbled in the theater a little bit because I really think um, it's kind of like a Tetris. It's kind of like uh, some math here. But, like, if the Riola piece falls, then other pieces would fall. And very quickly, Brandon, Georgia could not only get to its best class of all time, which would surpass the 2018 class, but it would also be up there challenging some of the Alabamas and the Texas A&M classes of past years for the that lofty 333.333, the wild, crazy threes. That's the all-time score that Texas A&M put up a couple of years ago, Brandon, when they had 18 players ranked inside the top 100. Now, we all know what that did for those Aggies out there, but that's still a heck of a recruiting feat. And you got to think, if Georgia was to put up a number close to that, the evaluations for the players would definitely be a lot better. Let me ask you a couple of questions about the uh, going back to the Smith and the Ohio State thing for a moment. One of these is serious, one of these is less. So here's the serious part. You know, Brian Hartline's had a little bit of a weird offseason, and obviously, I've got great respect for him as a coach. I think he's you know one of the better assistant coaches in college football in terms of the recruiting acumen and what he means to Ohio State. Hartline's reputation's you know very well cemented. But he also had an ATV accident, you know, this offseason in which alcohol seemingly he's admitted to drinking may have played a factor and, you know, what led to some injuries there. Has that hurt him on the recruiting trail at all? I don't think so, Brandon. I think it's still just the reputation of him pipelining incredible wide receivers to the first round. I mean, it's a really tough conversation if you have a, a Ohio State fan with you at a pub and you chat over a chat over a libation and you try to get them to name their top top five Ohio State receivers of all time. Pretty complicated over the last seven to eight years with the amount of players that they've stacked up. I think, Brandon, it's kind of an eventuality. 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 I think the way dog fans look at Glenn Schumann and how great he is and how they're eventually likely to lose him to a head job somewhere at a big job, kind of like in that Kirby fashion. I think Ohio State fans have resigned themselves to that for a while and Quite frankly, you hear a lot of rumblings out of Columbus regarding Ryan Day, and you know if Michigan keeps ascending and they don't beat Michigan again for another year, um, it might just be that high pressure of a job for maybe Day to consider the NFL or somewhere else. Um, it seems crazy to think about that a few years ago, but it is what it is. The realities of that job are very high pressure in college football. And then on a less serious note, even if Jeremiah Smith doesn't come to Georgia, you know, Ohio State fans whine about everything. And up in the Big Ten, they just have a very different kind of attitude about uh, committed players taking visits. Like down here, I feel like we have pretty thick skin about, you know, our favorite team's commits and somebody else's commits. It's all fair until everything's signed, right? I mean, this is a pretty sort of knockdown drag out part of the country when it comes to recruiting big 10 folks just have a little bit different viewpoint on this how much do they hate jeremiah smith taking all these visits well they don't like it i'd say that um especially it's just weird brandon i, don't, I want to make sure you everybody knows the the timeline here so riola was committed to ohio state for basically six months he committed last year also dylan celebrated his 18th birthday last week as well but he turned 17 last year committed to Ohio State on his birthday and then um, proceeded to be committed for about six months all the way up to uh, December. 
And one of the guys that he was closely recruiting was Jeremiah Smith. So there was a bond for him. There was a connection kind of like that. Hey, I'm going to throw about 30 balls your way for touchdowns or whatever. You know, that, that sort of kinship was established there. And, and then basically like a day or two before uh, Smith even committed to Ohio State, Ryo Adikin, uh, and now it's kind of been like there's always a friend. I'll never forget asking him. We were in a camp in Atlanta, seven on seven event that Jeremiah Smith absolutely destroyed. And I asked him, I said, Hey man, hot topic. Ryola goes to Georgia. What, what are the chances of that? What does that do for you? And he, we put in, we put this out on our socials. We shared it on hedges. There was really a, a nod of the head and kind of an eyebrow raising uh, moment there for Jeremiah Smith because he knows the potential of what it would be. Him and him and Riola at a place like Georgia, and uh, the fact that you know he continues to take the visit, um, the official visit coming in May is interesting and not where earlier we a lot of us thought that the official visit was going to come that first weekend in June when um, Riola was expected to be there as well. So, I mean, that's just a lethal, potent comp, comp combination, Brandon. And the thing we got to say is, I know we talk about five-star receivers every cycle. This young man is different. I mean, if we had to put together a list of the, the top wide receivers over the past five to six years, I think Jeremiah Smith might be second or third, maybe even first on a lot of ballots. It's really interesting. I liked your story with Justin Green this morning, the four-star defensive lineman at dognation.com. And I guess, Jeff, the thing that stood to me the most is, and this is what I want, I think people to understand, is we've seen a big change in Georgia in recent years. They've now won two straight national championships, a level of success the program wasn't enjoying prior to that. And a big change is possible because of little changes that occur. And to me, the Green story is a little bit of an example of that. Jeff, you don't have to go back that far in the past to see Georgia with a little bit of a defensive line drought when it came to the NFL draft. This program is not developing defensive linemen arguably the same way that we talked about Ohio State before Ohio State had a much better track record than that for a while Alabama had a much better track record than Georgia when it comes to developing defensive linemen for a while well that ain't true no more to use bad grammar intentionally and guys like Justin Green they just sort of noticed that and so Jeff I mean I hope that Green comes to Georgia I think it'd be a great thing if he did but to me the green story and when he says hey you know it's the way these defensive linemen get developed and i know he's not the only prospect that sort of told you that this week but but uh when you hear these guys kind of looking at that track record to me that's one of the examples of little things that change for big success to be possible the fact there are many proofs of concept for terrific defensive linemen on their way to uh the first round of the nfl draft this is just the new george in so many ways and i'm glad the recruits are sitting up and taking notice of it i feel like brandon it is the ultimate reality because not only i mean let's face it man when we started we started writing and working and talking for dognation.com years ago the grandeur and i guess i'll use that word of georgia not only having the peak nfl development in the country the peak recruiting classes in the country um uh, Alabama's in that conversation still, but also winning the championships. I, I, I didn't know if all this was possible to have all three of those things kind of in line there. And you're right, Brandon. It is the defensive line track record. It starts, begins, and ends with Georgia to the point where, I mean, the, the one thing I liked about the Justin Green story, and especially folks will, will kind of pay a lot more attention to defensive line recruiting. Brandon, I hope you are because I think they're going to lose four or five guys off, off this year's team to the NFL. That's a good thing. That's more track record. That's more development. But then you look at the guys underneath, and 
yeah, there's Christian Miller there. There's um, Jamal Jarrett there. There's Jordan Big Baby Hall there. But, like, some of that championship NFL depth, the Bear Alexander, the Sean Washington, you know, those guys were needed in that 2020-2022 class to kind of fill that gap between Zion Logue, Warren Brinson, Nazir Stackhouse, maybe even a guy like Tyrion Ingram Dawkins that I think will really break out this year, um, who looked really good this spring. And they have to get it right in 2024 with defensive linemen, not the starters per se, but getting those guys that are going to kind of fill those roles. Because remember, Georgia rotates its defensive linemen, you know, six, seven, eight guys a game. That's what they want. That's part of the Georgia way. And I think it's interesting with Green because Green is a high-character kid. He's smart. He's a technician. If you see in that story, the thing that struck me was how he rebuilt his body and he put on 45 pounds of armor to a 212-pound frame and turned himself in from, I'll say it, from an ACC-level prospect into a SEC-can-go-anywhere prospect. And, and Georgia was in on him late because they didn't know that because that, that Justin Green, and he readily admits it, that Justin Green wasn't going to go to Georgia. He wasn't a Georgia guy until he changed his body. He put on, you know, 30 pounds for his junior year. He was about 245. And then he put on another 15 pounds now for his senior year. He's maybe 260, 265. Now he looks like a guy, and Trey Scott was like, man, you were just a little lighter. And what Georgia was able to do with that track record, Brandon, is play from behind. Uh, Alabama and South Carolina, part of his Final Four, they were there. You know, they were holding on. They were recruiting him hard back when he was 240, 245 uh, as a junior. And Georgia just jumped into the fray, and they're right now in the thick of it. He told me that it was a four-way tie basically right now for his decision, and the visits will settle that. But the one thing about the tea leaves, since we're on that subject today, the tea leaves for me told me one important thing. If he said, I trust Georgia with its development and the way they develop me to get me to the NFL. He believes in that track record, and that's something for an in-state prospect that Georgia now really wants that I think is substantial. Really, really interesting. And let me change the subject here. ESPN.com this week took a little bit of a closer look at Julian Juju Lewis, quarterback at Carrollton, 2026 prospect. Um, You see hype from ESPN here on this, obviously other places there as well. Is there any doubt in your mind, even for as many talented seniors as there are in the state right now, that Lewis is going to end up being the most talked about player in the state of Georgia this year and probably the most talked about prospect in Georgia since like Trevor Lawrence, no coincidence, I guess, that Lawrence was coached by Joey King, so is Juju Lewis uh, as well, that Lewis is just a, a pretty rare prospect, it seems like, the rising sophomore quarterback for the uh, Carrollton Trojans. Very real deal, Brandon. I mean, one of the things that I want to make sure I reference that story so everybody can get the proper context. <clears throat> Brandon, ESPN did a really original thing, first original thing in years, I think, with their recruiting coverage, is they uh, had a fabulous idea. They ranked every player in the nation, the rising sophomores, juniors, and seniors, and they said, okay, who are the really 2025 20, best players in high school football, the best prospects in high school football? Um, Brandon, I think Ellis Robinson made the top ten, the five-star uh, cornerback commitment to Georgia. Dylan Raiola was fourth. There was another 2025 quarterback that was second, and then number one was Julian Juju Lewis. And I, I, I say it again, he's the real, he's the real absolute deal. I think the Juju Lewis recruitment, I, I, he will be. I said this at the end of his freshman year. I said he will be the cover boy, 
cover boy for Georgia high school football for the next three years. The talent is there the way he did it. He's got the tutelage of Joey King um, with him at Carrollton. They have all the resources in the world at Carrollton. And I think he's going to be kind of a kind of a stress point for a lot of things. It's going to be a stress point for NIL and high school. I think Georgia's laws might have to change for high school NIL if uh, Julian Juju Lewis stays in Georgia for the balance of his high school career. It has to resemble some of the other states. The other thing is I think that his, um, his ability, um, you know, we've heard rumors that he wanted to reclassify up because he was probably that ready to play college football. And I, I spoke to him about that this winter, and he really didn't like – he didn't really – he really liked where he was at. He wanted to play his entire high school career. But this is a guy, Brandon, that everybody already loves him, stands him. What he did in Georgia high school, 7A football last year, was astounding. And I think this thing with him – Brandon, he's only 6'2", maybe 6'2", stretched out, uh, maybe only get to 6'3", or so. But what he has is that elite processing. He has that elite accuracy where I think the taller Bryce Young comparisons, I know everybody loves the comparison games. Analysts like me don't like it because I think he's a little different than Bryce Young. But when I say taller Bryce Young, it's some of the same notes he's going to hit. It's going to be processing. It's going to be smart. Smart. He's going to be getting the ball out. And not only is he accurate, Brandon, but you look at him, you watch him with his reads. He is about a half second or maybe a third of a second faster with where he wants to go with his read and then the release and then the, getting the ball out quick, the delivery, the mechanics of getting it there. I mean, what this young man does in the accuracy department, I think, is is almost unparalleled in high school football. Would you agree, though, that probably not moving around quite like like Bryce Young, at least when I saw him, and you're obviously evaluating these guys more closely than I am, but when I saw him, I saw what you said right there, you know, decision maker, you know, a, a guy that's sort of processing everything on the field. But this is someone who I would sort of put more in the category of a true pocket passer as opposed to a guy like Bryce Young, who's probably keeping more plays alive with his legs. Is that the evaluation that you would make, too? Yeah, I think so, especially right now. But also, when you're a franchise like that already in high school ball, probably don't need to use those legs as much as you as you possibly could. I don't think. I can say it this way, Brandon. I think if I think I think if Julian Chuchu Lewis goes to a camp and runs a five three, no one is going to care whatsoever. Yeah. Um, that's how talented he is with his eyes and with his brain with that arm all right let's finish with this it was kind of a hot topic this week at least briefly the fact that uh georgia is not going to go to the white house late invitation to attend with like a bunch of other you know college teams in june maybe not befitting a two-time national champion in the uh, marquee sport for college athletics but nonetheless georgia not going to the uh, white house and obviously we talk about the month of june all the time because of official visits and i believe maybe you'll correct me on this i believe the date that was proposed was the date of the kj bolden official visit to give you an idea of just how serious in that time of year is for georgia Jeff, how much would a White House visit at that time have impacted a uh, recruiting calendar for Georgia during a month that's become the single most important month for recruiting for all of college football? Yeah, I think my view on that story, Brandon, is, and I think the date is that is, the date was proposed was June twelfth. Is that right? I believe so. Yeah, so that would be the, the that would be the Monday after the huge visit weekend with KJ Bolden, Sammy Brown. A lot of others, in, in some respects, Brandon, that um, second weekend in June is getting pretty close and creeping into the same zip code as that first weekend of stacked 
Oscar night, Oscar weekend official visits for Georgia with all the red carpet. I guess my view of this is you know, Georgia's always going to recruit because not, not it wouldn't so much have been an official visit weekend, but it would have been an evaluation day when Georgia's holding its camp. Okay. That's really vital where Georgia takes like perhaps the top 15 defensive linemen it likes and the top 15 offensive linemen it likes, and they, they, they have them do battle, they have them go at it, they have them compete, and then the ones that rise to the top are the ones that get the committable offers and said, hey, man, we're ready to commit, we're ready, we'll take your commitment at any time. You proved it. Um, I think those are still so important for Georgia. I just wish, and here's the take, I just wish things could have been done differently. Like, I think Georgia should have done that better. I think, you know, the White House should have done that better. I think the optics here look bad because not only um, is the timing off, but it was also a two-time national champion where Georgia didn't make the one the year previously. Uh, where, as I understand, the White House wasn't opening up at that time due to due to certain areas, but still cause of worries and fears about um, the global health, health scare, whatever you might want to say, that they weren't entertaining national champion visits anymore. But I just think it could have been worked out so much better. And there was a way that Georgia could do it where, where Georgia could preserve its recruiting. Perhaps you could send a lot of Georgia's graduating seniors or some of Georgia's, a contingent of Georgia's, NFL players that would have that free time in June to get not like the entire team, but a strong representation of about 20 dogs, administrators, assistants, and what have you. I think that could have been done differently um, on both ends. Yeah, I mean, I sort of half-jokingly thought – they should take the recruits to the White House. I mean, now I'm sure the recruits are like <laughs> the security clearance to get in there is probably onerous. I'm I'm sure the recruits don't want to go either. But um, but <laughs> I did sort of think that would be the kind of the one thing that Georgia could offer that nobody else should you know could offer is they could take a bunch of recruits to the White House. Yeah, that that might be the kind of sort of recruiting official visit thing that you know f- f- uh, fly private, go up, see the White House, come back home. That's the one thing that Georgia could offer that nobody else could offer. Maybe maybe they should have considered that. Maybe they should have um, put a simulcast or whatever, or FaceTime from the White House so the kids could see it. But I think there's an NCA bylaw, Brandon, somewhere tucked in there that you can't transport them more than 30 miles oh, off. Oh, is that right? For, okay. For, for entertainment. I've got to act like I know my NCA nerd rule book here. It comes with my occupation. But um, there's, there's a lot of rules in the deep, deep, deep dive of uh, the official visit manual. I think that's one of them. Okay. I, 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 you know, I, I just wish, you know, you know what? And I'm going to say something that you're going to that's going to sound like placating, or that's going to sound like exactly playing to the course of what what you want to hear, Brandon. But I think there'll be plenty of other times for White House visits in the future for Georgia to get it right. No, I think you're exactly right about that, Jeff. Great stuff. We appreciate you being here as a part of our program today. Always good to get good recruiting information from you. Hope you have a uh, a great weekend. Certainly wish hey Happy Mother's Day to your lovely wife, and we will look forward to talking to you soon. Hey, man, same to you and yours. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. Yes, sir. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. So let me say a couple things on the White House deal, and then after this, I probably don't think we need to talk about this much anymore at all. A couple quick things here for a moment. So on this show, obviously, we make it very, very, very serious, not talk about politics at all, because that's not what you come to this show for. We respect you enough to kind of give you the content that you expect we don't want to try to force feed anything else that you didn't want that's just something i take very seriously but while i don't 
talk about politics on this show at all, I will confess something to you. I do follow politics pretty closely. I consume a lot of political media. I really do. It's just something I'm interested in. Uh, and so I, I just do that. Here's what I can tell you. In the sort of political world, no one's talking about this at all. It's just not a thing. So for anybody who was worried that, oh, it's a misstep by Georgia to decline an invitation to the White House. No, it's not. Nobody cares. Um, you know, you had a couple of people make a statement the moment it happened. But people are always making statements about everything. This has not had any staying power within the political media whatsoever. This just isn't a thing. I don't talk about politics because that's not what you want. But I do follow politics. And nobody cares about this. This is not a thing. And also, to kind of piggyback on Jeff's uh, prediction, Jeff says they're going to have more chance to go to the White House, basically many more national championships. I'll make an additional prediction on top of that. Georgia will be invited to go to the White House next January. I mean, now, I'm assuming they win the national championship. But the point is, is that the error of inviting them in May to come stand with, like, the Cornell field hockey team, that error will be corrected, and Georgia will be invited to go to the White House next January. They will they will get the invitation in a timely manner to be there when they should be there in January. That's the way this will play out next year. That's my prediction on all of that. All right, with that said, let's get ready to go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Happy to have them as a part of what we do here. And listen, you can feel the summer in the air, which makes me want to be in the Caribbean. There's really actually nothing that doesn't make me want to be in the Caribbean. When the weather's nice here, it makes me think about the Caribbean. When the weather's bad here, it makes me wish I was in the Caribbean. Uh, it's not that hard to get me thinking about the Caribbean. So uh, from that standpoint, we love our friends at Royal Caribbean because really nobody provides that better than they do. Because as I've told you before, the thing that sets Royal Caribbean apart, I mean, there's a lot of things that I think could potentially be the answer to this. But to me, the ultimate differentiator, use a bigger word than I should, the ultimate differentiator uh, for what makes Royal Caribbean Royal Caribbean is Perfect Day Coco Cay. That private island right there in the Bahamas that's unlike anything you're going to get anywhere else. A lot of pretenders, but no actual contender when it comes to the great private island experience that Perfect Day Coco Cay offers. I love it. Every Royal Caribbean cruise vacation search that I start begins with who is going to Perfect Day Coco Cay. It begins and it ends with that. I just love it that much. So, listen, you can do what you want, obviously, but my suggestion to you is as you're looking for your own Royal Caribbean cruise vacation, start with Perfect Day Coco Cay. Ask anybody who was on the Dog Nation cruise, they will tell you. It is just such a fun time. Uh, we had a great time this past April there. And you'll have the same thing. You get the thrill side, you get the chill side. You want the thrill side with the with the water park and the tallest water slide in North America, uh, you know, largest wave pool in the Bahamas. You want all of that. You get the, uh, you got so many great things going on there on that side. Then you got the chill side with the you know Oasis Lagoon, this incredible pool. You got the DJ playing. You got some fun stuff going on with that. Obviously, you know, just the regular beach stuff there too. One of the things I like to do is I like to get a mat and sort of float in the water. There's amazing snorkeling opportunities there too. Uh, I go out and snorkel with my kids. There's like a shipwreck thing you go out and see. Like, there's just really great stuff. It, it's just a great thing. And Jessica Slater is a great travel agent. She can help you get it booked up. Give her a call, 770-718-9147. Terrific travel agent, specially selected for us by Royal Caribbean. Give her a call, 770-718-9147, and she will help you out with all that today. All right, so I talked off the top of the program, quarterbacks as evaluated by ESPN. I want to give you a couple of other notes that ESPN highlighted in their story here because I think there are a couple of things quarterback-wise that are kind of pretty interesting here. 
Um, and it's also kind of amazing to me how sometimes wrong I get it when it comes to quarterback situation. I'll give you an example of one that I think I probably got wrong. At Ole Miss, I think I thought that Spencer Sanders was brought in to win that quarterback job. As of right now, I don't think that's the case. It looks like last year started Jackson Dart, who was not great, to be honest with you. Um, it looks like Dart may still be in line to be the starter there in Oxford. That matters to Georgia fans because Georgia plays Ole Miss a little bit later on. This is one of those things I just sort of get wrong from time to time. I think of all the teams that have open quarterback situations, and for now at least you'll count Georgia in that, I think the team that comes the closest to being like Georgia, which is essentially settled, even if not officially named as so, is probably Ohio State. Don't you get the sense that Kyle McCord, for those of you been following this, don't you get the sense that Kyle McCord's likely to be the starting quarterback at Ohio State? Could be wrong about that, but I sort of get the sense there on that. Like in a place like Alabama, as a for instance, I don't think we had any idea there on that. You know, Tyler Buckner, was he brought in to win? Maybe so, but I mean, this is a guy who was maybe going to be third string quarterback and he stayed at Notre Dame. You know, it, it seems like. I mean, if you watch the Alabama spring game, you don't really know what Milrow or Ty Simpson have to offer right now. I'd say the Alabama quarterback situation is as murky as ever. Um, the Florida quarterback situation gets mentioned here uh, by ESPN.com there as well. And I think what you look at with Florida is, I mean, let's be honest, Jack Miller nor Graham Mertz, neither one of those are particularly impressive prospects whatsoever. Mertz may be the better of the two, but that's not saying much. However, even a Gator hater like me can admit that when you look ahead of the class of 2024, you do see uh, a pretty, I guess, promising prospect in DJ Lagway coming in. Right now, this is the best thing that Billy Napier has going for him, is that Napier is sort of viewed to be a good tutor, I should say, recruiter of quarterbacks. Uh, Lagway may be the best example of that. So we always talk about how you've got to have some sort of evidence in your early days that you have a chance to be a successful coach. Well, Napier's only evidence right now is the commitment of DJ Lagway, who's coming in next year. So I guess the thing that, that Napier's got to find some way to do is, is to be good enough with the quarterbacks you have right now in order to make the Lagway arrival really matter. Because if, if you don't get something out of, let's say, Graham Mertz at the start, if you don't get something out of Mertz, then, you know, I'm not even quite so sure that DJ Lagway's got much to, to, to enjoy once he gets it. This is an important year for Billy Napier. It really is. I don't think he gets fired one way or another. I, I don't. I'm uh, going to have to buy himself more time than that, probably at Florida. But you got to show something. You got to have something to show. And, you know, navigating the transfer portal is tricky, but you got to do better. And, you know, uh, NIL stuff is weird, but, you know, the Jalen Rashada thing notwithstanding, you got to do better. I mean, you you just have to – if you want to be a coach in the SEC, if you want to kind of arrive at that next level, above that Sunbelt level, you got to have some wins. you got to have some success. And we'll see if they're able to do that. Um, I think the Tennessee thing between Joe Milton and Nico Imaleva is kind of interesting. You know, Milton's one of those guys that you could see him being in the same category of draft prospect that a Will Levis or an Anthony Richardson was – uh, this past year or just you know a few weeks ago on the basis of the fact that Milton's got an unbelievably strong throwing arm but he's also had chances to emerge as a starting quarterback both at Michigan and at Tennessee hasn't really happened for him in the past so maybe all of this has sort of built to this moment maybe he's ready to be the guy if not then uh, Nico Imaleva and this you know gigantic rumored NIL deal around him will be uh, I guess waiting the wings the Tennessee situation could be very interesting especially with Georgia seeing that team late in the year you know, you kind of wonder if you were to take bets, 
you know, assuming that there's no injury situation, is it more likely Milton? Is it more likely Nico? I think different Georgia fans may have different opinions on that. I'll also say one more thing here, too, just for a minute. Um, the Texas situation gets m- mentioned. You've heard me say before, I think one of the real stories of the offseason has been the seeming emergence of Quinn Ewers, who I-, I think rightly is viewed right now as one of the best quarterbacks in college football. And I realize that kind of conjures up a bunch of like Texas is back jokes. And I'm not trying to veer in that territory. But I would I would show some respect for Ewers. He won that quarterback competition this offseason commandingly, uh, convincingly. And that probably says something a little bit there. The other thing about the Texas situation is it sort of seems like there's a chance that Arch Manning actually may be the number three quarterback there. Very, very quietly, a guy named Malik Murphy had a very good spring for Texas. And the word on the street is there were a lot of teams that reached out to Murphy to see if he wanted to leave and come be starting quarterback somewhere else. And Murphy chose to stay at Texas. So it's an example of something that's been a little bit of a trend around college football so far this spring summer which is a lot of quarterbacks that could have transferred they just didn't so for all the talk of the transfer portal I would say that this year the hottest talk related to the portal is quarterbacks who did not leave there were not a lot of kingmaker quarterbacks uh, going to some program and immediately making that program a championship contender or at least solidifying those programs as championship contenders you just didn't have that and on the list of quarterbacks that didn't transfer I think you need to make some room for Malik Murphy from Texas because it sounds like he could have content to stay a backup uh, at Texas for now. I was going to do a thing from CBS and quarterbacks. I've, I've kind of gone long on this. Let me just save that for tomorrow. And for now, we'll make that cruise run the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Instead, here in the program, let me do this here for a moment. So we gave you some audio earlier, Kirby Smart, this week at an event called the Regions. It's basically like the Regions tradition. It's a PGA Tour Champions event that takes place in Birmingham each year. It's a major for the Senior Tour, if you care about that. Uh, but it's also got they have the pro-am tournament at the beginning of the week where a lot of the coaches kind of play in that we gave you some audio of kirby from that event being interviewed by wjox but there's also kind of a cool moment that the pga tour champions twitter feed shared this week too of kirby being kind of halfway interviewed by jim furick who's going to be the captain for the president's cup coming up this fall and they had kind of a funny exchange and it's not often that kirby smart sort of plays along with a little bit of a comedic bit but in this particular interview that he does i'm going to give this to you uh furick talking about kirby being a great coach and maybe also helping him be a leader for the president's cup team this is good stuff from uh jim furick and kirby smart take a listen to this two-time national champions uh how long how long you were remind me we were five six years at georgia before you won your first national championship that's right six years six years all right so six years of work you're chasing people uh you were hunting at that point right that's right aggressive but now you win two national championships everyone's coming after you right everyone's coming after you so what's the mentality the mentality is stay aggressive stay on top play from a position of strength and uh, i think you know something about that picking your team and uh being a coach here soon we'll be pulling for you and I'm excited to watch the team that you have and uh, I appreciate it. and uh, so, full throttle. I don't know if I've got a recruit, but uh, <laughs> you know, I guess it's kind of like being a Georgia. I have to recruit the same way Georgia. Everyone wants to come right. play for, for for Kirby at Georgia, right? So everyone wants to be on the President's Cup team, right? right? So, uh, but you got any you got any recruiting tips? I think you've got enough talent in the pool that you'll be fine. Uh, if you need any pregame speeches the day oh, before, the nice. night before, yeah. fly me in. If you, as long as you don't mind a few expletives, I can I can help you. Well, that's all right. I think uh, that's great. Yeah, and we'll be in Montreal. You have no problem going to Montreal. <laughs> no problem. You got any going to French expletives? You know how to do that? <laughs> no, I can do that. Uh, I can do right. that. No. Go dogs. Appreciate it. Go dogs. That's right. 
First of all, for those of you watching my video, how much would you love to have one of those Georgia golf visors like Kirby's wearing? That looks amazing. The Georgia golf logo is a great logo. Great to see Kirby sporting that. And also kind of playing along with the comedic bit of going up to Montreal for the President's Cup and uh, giving one of those classic pregame speeches, which kind of gives us an excuse to kind of re-rack something we've done before. Kirby from the Florida game in 2021, obviously too profane to play on a family-oriented show like this. I had my own personal twist on that to make it a little bit more palatable for the air. Uh, this is an example of maybe that fiery pregame speech that Kirby could give the President's Cup team. See if you think this would work. Flipping. 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 Stop. Behinds. We are this Physically, physically, I want to break them. I'm talking about flipping. Breaking. Gentlemen. Would that work for the President's Cup team? I don't think it would hurt. I certainly don't. So maybe we'll get a chance to see Kirby Smart doing that uh, later on this fall. Very, very fun stuff and funny stuff with Kirby and uh, Jim Furyk there. That's uh, great to see. All right, before we get ready to wrap up today, a little bit of a backstory for our golden shoes. So a couple of, I guess, weeks ago, maybe it was a few weeks ago, one of the very talented members of our audience, his name is uh, Joel Sidney Kelly, does a lot of really good edits on social media and things like that. He sent me something as a Golden Shoe submission. I wasn't able to play it because it had some commercial music. You know, Big Tech has its uh, overlords out there, and they're always looking to jump on us if we ever play like, commercial music or anything like that. We just can't do that. And so I wasn't able to play this. And so he made another video that he wanted to share that said did not have any kind of commercial overture to it, so wouldn't have any issue with this. It's making fun of Tennessee fans, uh, kind of a look at the ups and downs downs the Vols recent season as a golden shoe today I want to give this to you now if you're uh if you're listening this is kind of mostly kind of a video thing so I'll describe it to you after it's done but here's a great golden shoe from our friend Joel Sidney Kelly looking at kind of the wild ride for Tennessee fans the happiness of beating Alabama and the sadness that came after that take a look at this One week later. So uh, very, very funny there of the Tennessee fans. They're so happy about Dean Alabama. They've written books about it. They've, uh, they continue to tell stories of what it was like to be in uh, Knoxville that day when uh, Tennessee fans finally beat the Crimson Tide, tore down the goalposts, and then, in odd fashion, decided to pollute the Tennessee River by throwing the goalpost into the river. I'll never understand the logic behind that, uh, why they would throw the goalpost into the Tennessee River, but I guess more pollution uh, for that body of water. Uh, and then only to see the celebration uh, very, very quickly upended by the embarrassing loss to Georgia. So very funny stuff from Joel Sidney Kelly. We will give him a golden shoe for that, and we'll wrap up today's show as well. So, obviously, Vols fans would love to return the favor to Georgia here this year. We don't believe that's going to happen, though. Uh, in fact, we think that Tennessee's number one job is to make the Georgia-Tennessee game in November even relevant. That Vols fans may have the Georgia game circled, but they better watch out for a lot of the games they have on their schedule prior to that. We think that Georgia's going to be undefeated going into November. 
Tennessee, we're not quite so sure of. So, we, as we said before, Joe Milton, Nico Emileva, quarterback competition. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, Josh Abel said they expect to play elite defense. We'll see if that expectation has any plans of coming true. And then we'll see how much the Georgia-Tennessee game matters once you get there. Prior to that, Georgia got another rivalry game to think about, and that's the game against those lousy, stinking Gators. We believe a good Georgia fan is a Gatorator first and foremost, and we believe 169 days from right now, Georgia back in Jacksonville beating up on Florida. We call this our Gator Hater Countdown. We do it every day. We'll see you back here Monday, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger.